It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. are Locked On Cougars. This is your daily podcast focused on the BYU Cougars. Proud to be part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Thanks for joining us on this Tuesday edition of the show. Hope you guys' week is off to a great start. A lot to get to on today's show. Reports of a big name interviewing for the BYU head coaching basketball position. BYU basketball head coaching position, I should say that correctly. We'll also talk some BYU football with offensive line coach Eric Mateos. Where does he draw his inspiration from? What's his coaching style like? I spoke with him one-on-one. You'll hear that as an exclusive here on today's podcast. And, of course, we'll catch you up on everything else going on in BYU sports, BYU softball, and baseball in action today. A national ranking for the BYU baseball program. So there's a lot to talk about on today's edition of the podcast. Let's get going. This is Locked on Cougars for April 2nd, 2019. Hey guys, I'm Jay Catch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, your resident BYU insider. I work for the Zone Sports Network in Salt Lake City, Utah, and it's a privilege to bring this podcast to you guys each and every day. If you guys are looking for a new podcast, a reminder for you, you can check out the new Himalaya podcast app. Fantastic new features being introduced all the time. They build personally curated playlists for you if you're looking for kind of like-minded podcasts. I'm a guy that likes to listen to a lot of soccer podcasts. Don't get mad at me. Those of you that are American football fans, but I like it when it tells me, hey, check out this podcast, etc. So check that out, guys. It's a fantastic feature. All right, got a lot to talk about on today's podcast. Was originally going to talk some BYU football to start off things, but we got a report last night from Tony Jones. He works for The Athletic. He covers the Utah Jazz. He's been a mainstay here in the local media in Utah for quite a while now, and he tweeted out late last night at 11.23 p.m. local time, Utah Jazz assistant Alex Jensen interviewed for the vacant BYU basketball opening this weekend league sources tell The Athletic and a lot of you are probably thinking well hey it was April 1st it was a a late April Fool's Day joke. Tony Jones doesn't mess around when he puts stuff on Twitter like this. Tony was serious about it he says the interview took place on Saturday if you read some of his other tweets to people that ask questions of him on Twitter about it but this is interesting because, as I've said previously, I was told that Alex Jensen had no interest whatsoever in jumping back into the college game. He really feels like he is on track to become a head coach in the NBA. Doesn't have to worry about the recruiting. Doesn't have to worry about kind of the the seedy nature of college basketball so, that's been going on. We've seen all this with the FBI, etc. He doesn't want anything to do with that. Is is my guess on it? But I can, I've told you previously on the podcast he has no interest and him interviewing for this job is an interesting development do i think that he's going to take the job no plain and simple i don't think he's the guy i don't think he's interested in it but as david james made a great point this morning on the zone sports network i produced dj and pk in the morning in my day job and he talked about the fact that hey this is probably just a move to keep up his interview skills you always take the interview and i i I agree with him i've had my father in my own personal 
career, my professional career, has always said you always take an interview. You go talk to them, see what they're see what they're all about, etc. It keeps your interviewing skills fresh because you never know what's going to happen. Plain and simple, you can't predict the future. You can't anticipate what's going to happen. So I think that Alex Jensen took it, and he's not necessarily going to take the job, but he took it as more of an experience thing. I think that Alex Jensen will stick on with the Utah Jazz. I have been told that Mark Pope remains priority number one when it comes to the coaching search for BYU. Do I think anything is imminent? I don't think so. And I don't think BYU needs to go out and make a hire right now. I know a lot of BYU fans are curious on how it's all going to shake out and why BYU, quote-unquote, is dragging its feet, etc. They're not dragging their feet. They're going to go out, make sure that they're very thorough in their search, and make sure they get the right guy they feel like can be successful at BYU. Um, Guys that I've been told are going to either be contacted or likely to interview for this job include Pope, uh, Barrett Peary, the head coach up at Portland State, Mark Madsen, who is currently with the Los Angeles Lakers, the Mad Dog himself, Kevin Young, who we've talked about Philadelphia 76ers assistant coach also in the mix and then Quincy Lewis who is currently the interim head coach for the BYU basketball program also expected to interview for this job does that mean that those are the only guys that are going to interview absolutely not do are these the guys that the hire will come from doesn't necessarily mean so but BYU with their current rules a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints has to be the head coach of a sports team at Brigham Young University so you're looking at people who are members of the church and those, all those names we've just run down, Alex Jensen, Mark Pope, Barrett Peary, Mark Madsen, Kevin Young, and Quincy Lewis, all members of the church. So we'll see what happens. Do I think the BYU is going to make a hire by the end of this week? No, that's just my gut saying that. I don't have, I'm not reporting anything. It's just my gut telling me that BYU, I think, is finally going to start jumping in to contacting guys, doing interviews, etc. That starts this week and the process will play out how it plays out. I do know that the early signing period for basketball opens up here in the next week or so, so there is some concern with that if BYU were to fall behind in the recruiting game, but as BYU, we've ta- as you've t- if any of you have paid attention, excuse me, to what's going on with BYU basketball over the last couple of years, they've actually more often had more guys committed for scholarships than they actually have scholarships available. They're also going to be playing without of scholarship this upcoming season as a result of the Nick Emery situation as far as I am aware. So it's an interesting scenario to see where BYU, if they're going to slow play this, let things really kind of filter out. There's been a lot of coaches moving. Mark Fox got the job at Cal. TJ Otzelberger got the job at UNLV. Those are two of the jobs that Mark Pope was reportedly in the mix for. And to answer some questions that have been sent in to me, uh, that is the those jobs right there. Those are the two main uh, jobs that Mark Pope was rumored to be interested in. There's also the thought that Mark Pope may be happy to sit tight at UVU and see what comes open next year. I don't know what's going to play out, but I do know that Pope, from all reports, everybody I have talked to, my hashtag sources, if you will, say that Mark Pope is priority number one. Who's priority number two behind that? It's a little bit convoluted at this point. Seeing Alex Jensen simply interview for the job was a development I didn't necessarily anticipate. I probably should have done that, but I didn't. And we'll see what ultimately goes down with the BYU coaching search, but I feel like they're just getting started here. If they announce a hire tomorrow or they announce a hire this afternoon, happy to be wrong. I think it would be good for BYU if they feel like they've got the right guy, make a move. 
go get your guy, plain and simple. But I don't feel like, this is just me, that BYU has a move announcing a new head coach imminent at this point. We all know that BYU is notoriously slow with their process of hiring coaches because you have to go through so many hoops, so many different committees, uh, ecclesiastical leaders, church leaders have to meet with candidates, blah, 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 blah. I feel like it's way too convoluted and it should be streamlined where guys have to meet with, I'd say, the university president, the athletic director, of course, Tom Homel, Kevin Worthen, and then if they need to meet with a member of the of church hierarchy, member of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles or the First Presidency, do that. Get everybody else out of the way. There are so many vice presidents and all these other people that are in in the mix that just need to be told guess what you're not in the mix for this it's not your opinion doesn't matter here we're going to make this higher we're going to move forward get out of the way hopefully that can be streamlined at some point in the future but i'm not holding my breath so interested to see what happens with byu but also interesting to see alex jensen's name being thrown in the ring Of course, we'll bring you the latest each and every day. When it comes to that, if any news breaks, we'll have it for you each day on the podcast because we are your daily source for all things BYU news. So stay tuned. We'll be tracking this until they make a hire and beyond. We'll be covering every angle of the BYU basketball coaching search. All right, we'll step aside here. We're going to shift gears, talk some BYU football. I promised you guys I would let you hear from Eric Mateos, and we'll get to that next. A very interesting conversation with him. He talks a lot about his coaching philosophy, how that's been developed with the coaches he's worked with you'll hear from him next right here on locked on cougars a reminder for you guys it is baseball season major league baseball has just gotten underway and the locked on podcast network has relaunched the mlb channel you can go find your favorite team and get the latest news for that team in under 15 minutes each day with the brand new locked on mlb podcast there's also the relaunched locked on mlb show if you want more of an overview on major league baseball check that out guys and if you haven't need a new podcatcher to listen to it on check it out on the him a podcast. You also can find us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. We are everywhere podcasts are to be found. That is one of the best things about the Locked On Podcast Network, and very proud to have Locked On Cougars as a part of that network. All right, more in a moment. This is Locked On Cougars. It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers, and utility vehicles, including the number one selling compact tractor in the USA, and now through June 30. Get 0% APR for 84 months or up to $3,300 off select compact tractors. See the details at KubotaOrangedays.com. Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on. So find your local dealer today. That's KubotaOrangedays.com. Welcome back to Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast focused on the BYU Cougars. Thanks again for joining us. Please subscribe, rate, and review, especially if you're new to the show. I know that we talk a lot about in this podcast about getting that five-star rating, especially if you're listening to us on your iOS or Apple Podcasts app. It really does help out because these 
analytics that these podcatchers use, if they see those ratings, they're more likely to help us be more popular in their rankings and also be more publicly seen by their algorithms. I know it sounds really dumb and it seems very trivial to do that, but I would appreciate you guys subscribing, rating, and reviewing. We've seen the review numbers really shoot up over the last few weeks and we'll continue to push that because we want this to be the top BYU podcast in the entire market. I know it's a daily podcast. You guys may not listen every day, but I would thank you guys in advance for taking the two to three minutes it takes to write a rating and review. It really does help out with everything you guys do. All right, let's talk some BYU football. Eric Mateos, I really like this guy. Let me get this out of the way right up front. BYU's new offensive line coach has a great mentality when it comes to coaching had to kind of learn on the fly taking over BYU's offensive line position group just a week and a half before spring ball began. I think they got a lot of good work done. He did a lot of shuffling with guys on the offensive line. It appears that the first string offensive line heading into the fall is going to be from left to right. Brady Christensen, uh, Chandon Herring, James Empey, Tristan Hodge, and Harris Lachance. And I think that's a big lineup and a good lineup. Tall, big, beefy guys who can really open up holes. If you went out to that spring scrimmage you saw them opening up holes and that was an impressive effort well I had a chance to talk to Eric Mateos one-on-one we talked about getting up to speed with his position group and we shifted to more of a look at his coaching philosophy what he likes to do so let's get to that conversation here's Eric Mateos with myself an exclusive here on Locked on Cougars now you've got 15 practices under your belt with these guys how do you feel the group progressed I know you've been here a relatively short time but how do you feel they did uh, I thought they did uh, relatively well. Uh, we were just talking about it. Um, you know, we had a, I got hired about a week and a half before we started practicing. We had no meetings uh, install-wise or anything like that before the first practice with my group. So and we didn't have a GEA, so we were just kind of all, you know, making it work together. And I thought everybody did their did their part and um, thought we grew together. And that's what I told them beginning of spring is that, wanted to make sure we grew together and knew each other and trusted each other uh, as a unit by the end of spring football. And I think we did accomplish that. So I'm pleased with that. So it was a little bit of a feeling out process, essentially. It, it had to be because just the timing of everything, it had to be. You know, I couldn't just come in and start barking at everybody because that's not fair to them. They're certainly mature enough to handle a new coach in a new way. So, so they handled it well, and I handled it the best I could. And I think we got a lot of good work in. Philosophically, do you want to have like an eight-man rotation? Do you have an idea of a number of guys you'd like to have that are in your stable that you would use? Um, I think like my general rule would be to have about eight guys that you could feel good about putting in a game. Whether it's a third tackle, a third guard, and a second center, I think that's kind of the formula I go with. That's how they do it in the NFL. You know, you got to be carry seven or eight on game day, and so that's kind of my thought with it. You know, I don't need ten guys that are ready to play. I need about eight guys that could go win us a football game, and I think we'll for sure have that. Um, I feel good about our depth. Um, it goes, it goes to about that point, and then there's other younger guys that still have four months to develop and get ready to go. So. I'm very optimistic about them. You mentioned how quickly you, when you got here, it was a week and a half and you started spring ball. Feel like you've settled in finally? Yeah, I feel pretty settled in. I think once, I think once we get a GA hired, I'll feel a lot, a lot better about life. <laughs> Just because O line's one of those positions that you, you, you almost need to have a GA because there's so many guys on the field for you at once, and um, 
there's a lot of work to be done. There's a lot of football IQ things that need to be done, and and we have a lot of people to teach. We have a big room, and so that'll once we get that done, that'll be good, and life will be a little bit better, a little bit less stressful. Won't be up quite as late doing presentations and whatnot, but. Yeah, I feel settled. I feel comfortable here. I feel comfortable with the staff, and that's all I could really ask for. You've worked with some of the most highly regarded offensive line coaches in this country, and Jeff, of course, is one of them. What have you taken away from those guys that you've kind of used in your coaching career, but also melded with what your personal philosophies are? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I'm very blessed to have worked for those guys. And, you know, for example, when I worked – Really starts from my college, my college O-line coach, a guy named Ben Blake, who's the O-line coach at Southeast Missouri State right now, the FCS school in Cape Girardeau, Missouri. He was my college coach, and he opened my eyes to um, technique. And he was the really first coach I had had my whole life that really didn't just you know give us the basics but gave me advanced technique as I got older and that was really what opened my eyes first and then working um, obviously for Sam Pittman is a is a golden opportunity I bet if you look at the guys that GA'd for Sam Pittman I think there's about 10 of us that are current FBS O-line coaches that have all GA'd for Sam Pittman so he's a great coach and great person so I learned just countless amount of lessons from him we didn't agree 100%, but that's not what being a GA is about. A GA is about having your O-line coaches back and learning from him and contributing what you can contribute to that unit. So we had a good relationship and a good run in Arkansas where we made a lot of noise in the O-line, and uh, it was great to learn from him. And then the year I got with Jeff was um, a different style than Sam. You know, Jeff is very technical and very intense and, and very gritty and and so when you put everybody's personalities and philosophies together and then you kind of bring in your own personality to it, I think that's who you are as a coach. I don't emulate anybody. You know, I, like, I, I have little mannerisms that I probably got from all my coaches that I've worked with and worked for or sayings, if you will, that I've gotten from all of them. But um, I, it, my personality is still me. I'm still me every day. And so. That's the important thing, and I think my players know that. They know that I'm me, and they like. I think they like uh, what I bring to the table. And my goal, uh, number one, is to always be the coach I always wanted. You know, so that's 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 my mission every day as a coach. Is I try to be the coach that I always wanted as a player. And I'm not saying I had bad coaches, but I try to be the perfect coach in the way I look at it. So that's my objective every day. As you guys pursue a GA, is it going to be essentially a nationwide search to find the right person? Or do you have people that you've networked with that you kind of have an idea about? It's, it's, it's so many different factors go into it. You know, you have to talk about guys that can get into school and guys that are going to do well in their degree because you don't want to just hire somebody that's not going to finish. And um, you got to get people that you may have connections to, you may not have connections to. It's just there's so many different factors. You know, I'm certainly not biased towards location. You know, I'll hire, and Coach Grimes has a, just as much say in it as, as I do, but we're just, we've just been kind of sifting through, trying to find the right fit for BYU and for our O-line. Because you know? really, I think when you hire GA2, you have to hire a little bit of fire and ice with the O-line coach. Because if there's days where I'm being a rotten son of a gun, you know, we need we need the GA to be a little bit nicer. And if, if there's days that I'm being coach softy, then I need the GA to kind of kick him in the butt. So it's a little bit of fire ice dance. And uh, so that's that all goes into it. There's a lot that goes into it, but it should all get wrapped up soon. 
you get garnered some notoriety nationally, and I've asked you this question off the mic, but I wanted to get you on record with this. Okay. Uh-huh. Zion Williamson sure. is a sensation nationwide. Yeah. You were the coach that offered him a football scholarship while you were at LSU. Yeah. Can you explain what all went into that decision and everything that went, went into it, I guess? Well, yeah. the truth about it is we were at, I was sitting at a Christmas party for LSU, and we were just sitting there joking around, talking about recruiting, and we are getting a little bit late. It might have not been Christmas. It might have been a little bit earlier than that. Okay. But we were at some event with LSU, and me and a couple other guys that I worked with were just joking around about our tight end recruiting because we had we couldn't really find a tight end we were really in love with at the time. We felt like we needed one and we wanted one, but we couldn't find one that we thought was worth an offer at the time. And so I just I've always been kind of a creative recruiter. I don't I don't really just accept what people tell me is going on or what a kid thinks or whatever. So I just try to be creative and find somebody that. That was a great athlete, and this was—he was not as big a name as he is now back then. So I just saw a highlight video on Twitter, and I was like, "That dude's a freak show." And you know, when you're at LSU, you, you recruit a little bit cocky. I mean, you think—you you always think that there's some kind of chance. So I just—I got his number from a couple connections, got his cell phone number. I reached out with a call, didn't get a, didn't get it back. Reached out with a text, got nothing back, and just kind of. Said, okay, well, I, sh- I tried, you know, I mean. So he never officially responded? No, okay. no, which was extremely rude. No, I'm just So kidding. does he have a standing offer to come to BYU, I guess, is what we could well, say? Well, we'd have to check his academics. <laughs> yeah, we'd, we'd, have, we'd have to make sure he's a BYU man, you know. We can't just go and bring – I don't know what kind of people they have at Duke, so I don't, <laughs> know, who, I don't know who they let in there. <laughs> Coach, thanks so much. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you. There you go, Eric Mateos. Thank him for taking the time. You can follow him on Twitter. Thank him for taking the time on the podcast. And it was awesome to hear from him about his coaching philosophy. He said his, his position coach way back when has really kind of laid the foundation for him. He's worked with a lot of the best minds and offensive line coaches. You heard him name those names, including Jeff Grimes, who he knew at LSU. And I think that Jeff Grimes had him on a short list that whenever he needed to find a new offensive line coach, if and when Ryan Pugh moved on, uh, who is now the offensive coordinator at Troy University. I think Eric Mateos was on that short list. And I think it's awesome to see Eric Mateos really embracing what BYU is doing. I've talked to multiple people who say that he has been an absolute animal on the recruiting trail. You heard him tell the story about offering Zion Williamson. Funny to finish out the podcast that way and uh, the offer still stands quote unquote and cool to see him at least chase stuff like that. I like guys who think outside the box and that's what Eric Mateos I think has proven that he's willing to try new things. He's willing to open up new avenues. He's thought that Zion Williamson would be a stud tight end. Zion Williamson, I list him at 6'8", 280 pounds. He's probably closer to, I believe, probably 6'6", 6'7", and probably the legit 280. But that kid on a football field would be an absolute animal at tight end. So I completely understand why Eric Mateos would have issued that offer. Too bad he never got a response back. All right, well, uh, we'll get to more of that as we go throughout this offseason. We're going to start breaking down position groups heading into the summer. Based on what I observed in spring ball, we'll do position groups each day over the coming weeks. Of course, we'll kind of intersperse that with other news that comes out because we need to talk about a BYU baseball program. This may carry us over the next month or so. This BYU baseball program nationally ranked for the first time since 2016. We need to talk about that next, what it means, and they have a big game tonight. Rivalry game against Utah on the road in Salt Lake City. We'll get to that and all the rest of the BYU news next right here on Locked on Cougars. 
Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, especially during March. Your eyes are on the road, but the driver in front of you has both eyes on their bracket. Their sudden braking puts you in a 16-car pileup that's anything but sweet. And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this is worse than a busted bracket. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability, savings vary. Are locked on Cougars. Thanks again for joining us on this Tuesday edition of the show. Let's run down everything else going on in BYU sports outside of football and basketball. We'll start off with baseball. They have entered the national rankings for the first time since April 2016 at number 24 in the collegiate baseball rankings. They also have garnered 23 votes and the others receiving votes in the USA Today coaches poll. The Cougars are 21 and 5, 7 and 2 in West Coast Conference play. They face Utah tonight in the first of three Desert First dual matchups at 6 o'clock Mountain Time at Smith's Ballpark. The game will be televised on the Pac-12 networks and also broadcast on BYU Radio. BYU comes into the comes into this contest on an eight-game win streak while the Utes have lost nine in a row. So some awesome things happening with BYU baseball as a team, but also individually some news for you. Brock Hale, BYU senior slugger. He was named Collegiate Baseball National Player of the Week and Rawlings West Coast Conference Player of the Week for his efforts last week. Hit somewhere in the 690s, I believe, last week or that might have been a slugging percentage all the same he was absolutely incredible at the plate he's been awesome he's hit some absolute monster home run shots this year so congratulations to him and I also saw this last night Easton Walker one of BYU's pitchers he has a 0.00 ERA literally no runs scored against him it is the best in the country currently so congratulations to BYU baseball they're doing great things here they're building a resume even if they don't win the West Coast Conference this year and get that automatic berth into the regionals for the NCAA tournament I think BYU very much is in the mix for an at-large bid if they continue this hot streak pitching has been stellar for BYU their whip numbers the innings pitch the average hits etc I've, I've said it before and I'll say it again. Pitching for BYU is at a premium. Every college baseball program it's at a premium, but especially a cold weather school like BYU is, it's even more of a necessity. And it looks like BYU's pitching staff has been very good this year and hopefully that holds up. Hoping to have uh, some BYU players and coaches on the podcast over the coming weeks. We'll do that so you can hear directly from them about their season, but we'll get to that. Other news, BYU softball. The Cougars, the Lady Cougars are in Cedar City for a game against Southern Utah today at 3 o'clock Mountain Time. That'll be on Pluto TV. Uh, Libby Sugg won WCC Player of the Week and Arissa Paulson won Pitcher of the Week for the first time this season as BYU swept the weekly awards despite a lackluster end to their week last week losing three or four games in Texas. They started out the week hot, beating UVU in back-to-back games. So BYU softball 13-18 and 18 on the season overall. They have the first WCC games this weekend, Thursday, Friday, Saturday against Loyola Marymount. Best of luck to Gordon and his team. 
On to women's and women's track and field for a moment here. The men's track team is up one spot in the national rankings to number four nationally, while the women move inside the top 25 to number 24 for the first time this year. It is the highest ranking for the men since the USTFCCA rankings took began taking place in 2008. So best of luck to the men's and women's track and field teams. They're off to great starts this season. Hopefully they can keep that up. One final note for you is that women's golf is off to a great start in Texas after the first two rankings rounds of the Bruzzy uh, tournament. That's a weird name, the Bruzzy, B-R-U-Z-Z-Y. Don't ask me why they call it that, but they do. It's in Argyle, Texas. Rose Huang was lights out yesterday. She's tied for second individually at minus eight, while BYU was in sixth place as a team at minus six after the first two rounds of the Bruzzy tournament. Final round is today. Hopefully BYU can improve their position and Rose Huang can build on her hot start. There you go. All the other news you need to know about BYU sports. We'll be back tomorrow breaking down everything that happens in BYU sports. Maybe we'll hear some more about BYU coaching search. You never know what's going to happen, but we'll get to it all tomorrow right here on the Locked On Cougars podcast. Thanks again for joining me. I'm Jay Catch, your host here. Please subscribe, rate, and review. And if you're looking for a new podcatcher app, check out the brand new Himalaya podcast app. It's a fantastic new podcatcher. I would encourage you guys to take a look at it. Thanks again for joining me. This has been the Locked On Cougars podcast. Podcast for April 2nd, 2019. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 